Dan Bratlin is here for another conversation about Excelsior and our housing decisions and subsequent building. Today is April 23rd, 2021. I'm Peter Hartwick. Welcome to Excelsior News and Updates. Dan, thank you for coming over, visiting again. Appreciate your uh, willingness to do this. I think it's important for our community to continue to have these dialogues. Thank you, Peter. I'm excited to be here again, and thank you for putting together this this forum. Um, I think it's a great contribution to our community. Yes. So we had we had spoken about being able to define Excelsior in ways that are objective. We've been hearing about uh, our village-like character. We've been hearing about preserving our heritage. We've heard about uh, our small-town ambiance. And we've heard those words a lot, and actually they become meaningless because we haven't been able to strictly do the hard work of defining who we want to be as a town, our identity. And that because we haven't clearly defined our identity, I think that's why in our uh, conversations today around codes, around building, about wanting a large house, about needing a large house. It all pivots on not being able to have a structured definition of where is Excelsior going. And if indeed it's going into fourth ring suburb, then I would rather hear that in a direct statement. Yeah, and that's a very good point. And I think when you're talking about defining Excelsior, if you were to walk down the street and talk to 10 to 20 different citizens, they might define it differently, but I would probably say you hit home on some of the big ones, um, the historic element of, of this town uh, is, is great. If you look at the, the evolution of the downtown area, from having the Pizza Hut and the hardware store, gas station to high-end restaurants, but keeping that historic charm, trying to keep that in a, in, a, in a sort of an envelope to where it's attracting more and more people who want to be part of this bellwether town. It's the sort of the sidewalks, the parks, the trees. It has that that charm you don't see uh, around the Lake Minnetonka and this close to the metropolitan area. So all those things that attracted me to this town and others um, and trying to preserve that. Um, so I think it's defined by, you know, who we elect as our officials. I think they have missions, they have goals when it comes down to building codes and ordinances. I, I sit into those meetings and they, there's all sorts of projects they're getting hit with every day from condos to, you know, hotels to, you know, different restaurants. And it's a, it's a constant evolution that, that this town has seen since the mid fifties, I would say. Yes. So let's let's stay with that. We've had a trend of 20 years where we've had about five ordinances, the last one being the residential review process with a residential review board. We have hired an attorney outside of Excelsior in order to help us consult with uh, mass and scale and relativity to the, uh, the neighborhoods as far as uh, our building codes are concerned. You and I have some idea that's somewhat similar. Perhaps we're approaching it differently. I like the idea of a square footage limit, and certainly you have some ideas around the uh, floor area ratio. Perhaps you can explain some of that. 
Yeah, you know, I, I believe in simplification of the code. I've had to go through uh, two experiences with building and looking at uh, building another house. And I think the, what we've done here is really tried to do the best job possible to 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 work within the community, within homeowners that would like to sell their property, within new buyers that want to build a newer home. And yet it there's so many we, different phases of this code. You know, there's, okay, if I wanted to build a house here, first you'd have to come in, I'd get a building percentage. So that's the footprint of the house. Then you have your hardcover. That's the percentage of sidewalks and, and, and driveways and that sort of thing. Then you can build 29 feet high and you can, or 28 based on that. And then it's the setbacks. So you've got 23 feet on one side, you've got 20 on the other, on your sides. It's the width of your lot. Uh, at this times add twelve hundred. It, there's there's a lot of code. It's complicated. It's very complicated. And and then you have the whole idea of the residential review board, which, as you know, I was against. I'm in, in favor of engaging neighbors, as you can tell. I'm, I'm one that likes to engage the neighbors and get them involved in that process. However, anytime you you mix that neighbor input with design features that 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 you're getting into some sort of subjective compatibility with the neighborhood. I think codes are much better. Objective codes are a much better way to go. But that's a that may be a whole other subject. But back to your question on the floor area ratio, I think it's just to simplify version would be, um, you know, Minneapolis has done this. Other cities have done this. We've analyzed it, too, as part of that process. We chose, I think, to go the residential review uh, committee route. But it's, it's basic, simple facts. You know, I buy a, I buy a lot that's 5,000 feet. You know, if it's a 50% 0.5 ratio, I, I can build a 2,500 square foot house. doesn't matter what house my neighbor has, whether they decided to have a single level house they bought back in the 50 or fill. It, 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 I'm, it, I think a simplification of the code and bringing far in, if I have a 10,000 square foot lot, I can build a 5,000 square foot house. But having those codes versus subjective nature of some of the things we're trying to implement is, is hard. I like that idea of having the lot size and then how large you can build. However, where we're differing is just because someone has a 10,000 square foot lot doesn't mean they should be able to build a 5,000 square foot house. Well, now you're talking about need mm -hmm. yes, and, and want and, yes, and, and, and culture. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to a different thing, which is why the question you asked me last week, Dan, why do people need to build a five? There are two people living there. Why do they need to build a five thousand square feet? Yes, yes. And yes. then you went on last last time we spoke to, you know, maybe they feel like they can. They've earned it. Um, they're coming into our city and feel mm -hmm. they can build whatever they want. That would be called a sense of entitlement. And then you use the word a sense of entitlement. And I have to say, after getting to know a lot of these people who have built new houses here. I think that couldn't be further from the truth. I don't know any one of these people that I would categorize that I've met who built five, you know, spent a million, two, three million dollars on a house that I would say feel like they're entitled to build what they want. They can't build what they want. I couldn't build what I want. When you come into the city, you can only build what the codes say you can build. And the only people that might be feel like they're entitled is the other side of the story. The other side of the story are the people who've lived there here for over 20 years, like yourself. My kids would say back in the 1900s. <laughs> and 
you're entitled to tell people what they can and can't build outside of the code. That's a sense of entitlement also. Before I address that, I want to address your other point about having a square footage and the lot size that you have and 0.5. So I would say with concrete types of figures and ordinances without question, I agree. I would certainly tighten it up and say 10,000 square feet. No, I'd still like to say maybe not more than 3,000 square feet. However, that is crystal clear on my brain. As much as I disagree with your figures, that is crystal clear that there is no question in my brain that, yes, okay, this is what can be built on this type of land. I would certainly decrease. Back to the sense of entitlement. It's all but what people do, not what they say. And there is that I have a sense of entitlement. I can do. They may not say that verbally, but they their subsequent their building decisions and their subsequent behaviors does say I want to come in. Is there some I'll take your argument with a sense of entitlement with people already living here for 20 years. Uh, is that a sense of entitlement too? Possibly. Possibly. Is that one where our own culture here takes precedence and our idea of a small town character and keeping that? And that is important to be able to delineate that when people come into our town, they need to work within our parameters. I do believe there is a sense of entitlement with being able to say, or build whatever they want without necessarily the uh, collaboration and connection with the neighbors as well as our local government. Fair enough. You know, and going back to your idea of why people build bigger houses, I think if you were to, again, take 20, 30 residents on the street and then walk by some of the newer homes that have been built from teardowns, you would get 20 different answers as well of whether or not they think it's it's too big or whatever. It's, it's, it's every that's a, that's an opinion. I do know when you build a new house, if you go over to Minnetonka Country Club right down the street where it used to be a country club. Now they're building houses. You look at the footprint of those millennials. They're huge. Yes, they are. The houses here in Excelsior, you we have in, and I challenge you to give me a town in Minnesota that has more restrictive mass and scale codes than Excelsior. I sure do wish our codes would be enforced, but variances continue to be addressed and allowed in order to have these larger. When I see these house sizes, I do think that we do that we need to have or continue to have some changes because without a consistent regulation and saying no to the variances, then we will start to begin to use the message, please, you're going to work with us, but we're within our standards with the culture that we already have. Because as you can see, the houses are already getting so large there that we can't be distinguished from any other suburb. Right. And, and what I would like to see is these cultures you know, accepting each other. You make comment all the time, we're all in this together. I've made a decision to come in to this town and get to know people. I don't care where, what level of income they're at. I want to get to know the, the history of this town. And I would think the most of the people that I've met that have built expensive homes from teardowns, 
feel the same way. They they're participating in the, in the in the community for the commons. They're donating. Some of these are people are the most giving people you'd ever meet. When it comes to charity, building this town, this town needs things to function. If you look of at our course, business community, our high end restaurants, people with disposable income support those businesses. I just went into Bowen Ren the other day because I go there twice a week, have a couple drinks, happy hour. Mm-hmm. I order an appetizer, maybe an entree. Yeah. It's a hundred dollars. Yes. Okay, so yes, we are becoming a more affluent community, but the downtown is more affluent in general. So, but going back to your original question, keeping this town a historic, charming place. If you ask 20 of those people to look at any one of these houses that have been built, they would, the mass majority, I would think, would say it's an improvement and makes this town more charming than what was there before. I disagree with that. It we seems we to can me, disagree. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, seems that, that, me, Dan, it seems to me, uh, uh, when you put on your trousers, you only put them on one pant leg at a time. It seems to me with the houses that we built, any house, you can only live in one room at a time. So we are going back to need now. And we are right, going right. back to- So now you're talking about one. And, and that's where uh, we have to have uh, laws that are gonna be enforced and uh, we need, uh, top-down approach, but I don't think it's going to happen from the down, do, top-down approach. I think it's going to happen more from the bottom-up approach. Uh, an idea that uh, Edina is doing right now, it is called the West Hennepin Affordable Housing Land Trust. I mean, that is essential working from the bottom-up where the city owns the land and yet the property owners can buy the house can make an appreciation on the house when they resell it not at such a percentage but they can resell it and they can also then make it continual so that people that don't have the hundred dollars to spend on a restaurant every two week or twice a week but maybe they have a hundred dollars and i'm sure the merchants would appreciate a hundred dollars if they come in once every six months to their restaurant because we all contribute we contribute what we can yes that is do people get to charities and to fundraisers yes but that's still no excuse for what they do just because they give to charities doesn't mean they can well you know i can rationalize that i've got a big house and so therefore i can i can deliver to the community not that that's a bad thing but that mindset i think is again it's centered on what they built and, and I can yeah. be as materialistic as, as, as the next. Some people like to show off their cars or the emblems that they, they have on their clothes or they like to show off their houses. Have you seen my bike trailer? Have you seen my bike trailer? Yeah, it yes. can, it can I, carry it's, a it's whole fantastic. kayak. You know, and I'm so very I'm impressed. As material, I'm, very impressed. I'm as material as the other guys. Sometimes <laughs> I leave it out in my driveway because I know it improves the look of my house and perhaps it will increase the property value by 20%. Heaven forbid my taxes continue to go up 20 percent a year so geez but yeah yeah so i i'm not saying yeah material i'm I'm not saying that i'm saying it's kind of capitalism going excess now well you think of uh we do you know america's always been the land of opportunity and capitalism is is you know what this country is built on and land values we've been able as has increased around the lake minnetonka this close it's hard to stop the value of property now what you just talked about in edina yeah. Somewhat is fascinating to me, and I'm interested is, in learning more about more, that. I would more like more. to learn more about our, that. Our city attorney yeah. is hopefully going to be 
on the agenda item in one of our council meetings, I'm hoping, uh, maybe a, a work, uh, what's that called, work session yeah. me- meeting, but I'd rather have it in a city council meeting because more people tap into that online than they do the hour-long uh, uh, work study session before the city council meeting. So I'm hoping for that. And the other part, homes within reach. That's another program where people can say, no, I do not want my house torn down. Good for them and good for Edina to have that type of policy. Every every property owner should have the right to do whatever they want with their property within the, within a reason. within the constraints of what they can and can't do. You know, we spoke last time about apartment um, dwellers and, and rentals and, and and affordable housing. You know, and I did some a little bit of research. I actually drove around. I didn't realize over sixty percent of our citizens are renters today. Yes. Yep. I 40, did not 60. know it. 40 residential and 60%. So, so we're already at 60%. Now, of the 40% that's left over, you know, if you, if you, if you just eye it out, you know, you're talking about 10 to 20% that are in this realm of, of, of houses that have been built, newer houses that have been built. And we also talked about how the newer standards, ceiling height, kitchens, open areas. And when you talk about need and want, that's an individual thing. You know, you might say two people live there in a 5,000 square foot house. Why do they need that? Well, you don't know how many grandkids they have and how many families. You know, I bought this house on the lake and you and I, this, this is my family count. I don't have a, a lake house up north where I can have my all my four kids and their husbands and I could have 24 people. This is now, do I feel enti- that I was entitled to buy this property because of the uh, how much it costs and I was able to afford it? So I'm entitled. Yeah, I was entitled to purchase this property. I was entitled to spend the necessary money to preserve this historic property, lift it up, put a whole new foundation in instead of tearing it down. I had the wherewithal. So was I entitled to do that? Yes, I was entitled to do that. Does my wife want a walk her own walk-in closet and she doesn't want to she doesn't want to have her closet with me yes i'm entitled to build that closet if i were a millennial or i was a gen seer right now i would be rolling my (laughs) eyes and some of the best times we had as a kid was growing up slumber parties where we had like 10 cousins in the same room no i am i'm not buying that argument about your grandkids coming in what my my only point was need 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 is subjected to what you think we all need a one-bedroom apartment, a tent. I, all I need is a bathroom and a shower what happened and a room over my head. What happened to your argument? Of, you now you're talking Stal- Stalinism. Would Did you, you study Stalinism? Uh, um, okay. Now, now is that there's what you're a, thinking? We should all live in 500-square-foot houses. No, I'm not saying go back to the cave days. I am just saying you can get by with a 2,500-square-foot house. Of course I can get by with a 2,500-square-foot house. Yes, yes. And oh, so, so you're talking about getting by. I am getting – yes. Okay. Not only is it good for the community, it is also good for the next generation. Your grandchildren will have to have some type of conversation about where they want to live. Do they have a planet that's habitable enough? Are we can continue to use up resources on house sizes with two people living in it? And Do you know how much carbon footprint an apartment complex has here on a two acre? This apartment right here, two acre. Damn, two acres. Cows get more emission through through sure. the methane. So uh, I, agree I with do you. understand. I'm just talking that, about overall environment. You put 10 families in an apartment building, okay, the energy they're using, all cooking, plumbing, everything, versus if there was one house or two houses on that property at 5,000 square feet. If you're talking about the environment, 
I don't know if that argument is solid. I'm talking about more people being able to come and live in Excelsior, perhaps even to work in Excelsior, uh, adding to the tax base and also getting some diversity in order for us to continue to go in a direction for our future that is most important. And so, I would say we're adding so, diversity yes. by bringing in an upper class. We got 60% renters. How have our, our past codes helped diversity coming into Excelsior, Dan? We have to build smaller houses. Most of the people who come in Excelsior right. have you're to. Right. They, 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 they do I could have built a much larger house if I didn't live in Excelsior. Because this is the most restrictive code. So everybody coming here is sacrificing to build a smaller oh. house than they would have if they didn't move to Excelsior. So 5,000 square foot house for two people. Do you think that's sacrificing? For some people, could. Absolutely. Yeah. Depending well, on their know, fi- family dynamic. One of the reasons, one of the reasons why I want this podcast uh, is, is, is because just trying to keep it real for Excelsior, trying to keep the middle class here. I want to expand the middle and class. And that type too. of thinking, well, then we need to start acting in a way that's going to be painful for some people saying, and here's your sense of entitlement. They may not say it, but they say, no, I'm going to build the house I want. No. And for, this well, what is you're about saying the that is, is you're trying to dictate how much somebody yes, could sell. Yes, that's correct. Is that their, judgmental? No, yes, they, they, they could sell how much they can sell their property for. They you can't still, sell your land. You couldn't sell this 10,000 square foot lot for a million dollars. We're going to say you can only sell it for 250,000 because we want to keep this land affordable. Is that what you're saying? If you're talking about land lease, the city would buy the land. I'm, uh, I'm just talking about you. Go, you want you want to curve. You want you want to bring yes. in the middle class. Yes. So what, in order to do that, yes. you have to bring down the property that's, value. That's correct. So what the city of Edina is doing is they're already doing that kind of a regulation, kind of like our residential review process. Since neighbors weren't doing it on an informal way, we are officially getting together to talk neighbor to neighbor before a build starts, so that people can so, have some dialogue. So what you're saying right now. Is these and, homes and that so, these homeowners yes, in this town? For an example, yeah. yes, I would sell my house for a lot right. less if that if that means that someone a millennial right now the median income is sixty thousand a year if that means that a young couple or a person can come into Excelsior and purchase yes you bet because it's not just now an economic decision right. so this you want to make my, a, this is becoming right. a moral decision and I, I applaud you for that I really do. Um, so what you're saying is you're going to allow the city to tell all these homeowners with property homeowners right now that we're going to put a cap on how much you can sell your property for all these homeowners. Right. This could be their biggest asset. It's appreciated in value over the last 20 years. They we paid all these that. property taxes. And so we let's take the average lot. It's, we've already know the average lot is six, seven hundred thousand dollars. OK, so that's already we talked about this last time. That's out of this affordable housing. So what we can say to these people who own this property, you know what? We're going to dictate how much you can. It's not based on what the market will bear. It's not based on what you can sell your house for and what people will pay. You can only sell your land and your house for blank amount because we want to make this reachable for other people. That's what you're you're proposing? Is really that what you're proposing? I think the point your voice inflection is raising because of the, uh, the dictate, the word dictate. And, and I would have a knee-jerk reaction, too, if I said dictate. No, it talks about an internal locus of control, that people are doing the right thing, not because okay, so it's not they, they can. It's it a, is an, an internal moral decision sure. to say, you know what? I'm thinking about not just this family, but I'm thinking about our community and the ambiance of it. And I'm also thinking about our planet, because you don't have to have a stretch of an imagination of what's happening in little old 
Excelsior and what's happening in the rest of the planet. It's And it's the dissemination of the middle class, dissemination of diversity. We have no diversity, really. Yeah, and I, pretty much I, I think we, toast. we agree You're that in order, in order to make affordable housing affordable and Excelsior for outside of apartment dwellers is that we have to bring down the cost of what it would cost to move here. Bring down the value of everyone's property. Or, or uh, these large uh, houses, they can buy, purchase a part of a large house, either renting like a condo, uh, making it into a condo because those large houses aren't going to sell. So you're, 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 what you're predicting is that people who own a large house, there's not going to be they're any. Sit, yeah, they're going to sit. And so what they're going to have to do is subdivide them into several yes. different. Yeah, and that might not be so bad. Uh, then that way well, that's their choice. If they do that, if that's the way it goes. That's yes, the way it goes. Yes. I will say, based on what's going yeah. on in Minnetonka Country Club, the size of houses aren't going down. And that's the reason. For and they're this, selling like hot that's, that's the reason for this podcast mainly is to keep the middle class going and to up the ante. Because you're right, there are some homes right now, locations in Excelsior that are just ripe for the picking for getting it. So we need to create it. So what you're saying is a proposal to bring down the values of everyone's We need property. to have a total creative area or a total creative uh, systemic change. And I just wanted to address just a bit, since okay, you know sure. so much more about this than I do, about contractors, architects, builders, mm -hmm. a lot of them get paid by the square foot. So it would behoove um, them to be able to, it's harder to build an already existing home because they got the footprint there mm -hmm. and they got the house structure there. And it's harder to have architectural creativity with an already existing home than it does just to say, you know, let's flatten it and build another one. Well, to answer your question, I do have some experience in this. Um, typically a custom home is built on a cost plus basis. So builder, you negotiate with the builder a flat rate, whether it be 10, 15%, uh, whatever that cost is. So the more, um, the bigger the house, the more expensive it is, it's the, the builder gets 10% above cost, let's say. Uh, so that's, that's always been the case. Uh, architects, there's two different ways you can go. You can um, pay them a, 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 you're right, you can, you know, a, two bucks per square foot. A lot of them will charge a percentage also of the, of the total uh, bill of the thing. But I, I would say it's all going through that process. It's really not dictated. I know that you don't like the word dictated. Yeah, it's not yeah, by the architect. It's what's the homeowner, you know, they have to go within the code. So a good designer would say, okay, you've got, a lot of 7,500 square feet. Mm. What type of house do you want? What are the setbacks? What are the codes? What can what can we build? What what what's what's it going to cost? I can't afford that. Well, let's scale it down. Let's if you can't afford that, let's let's shrink it down a little bit. So that's kind of how it works. I spoke with a developer last week who has had some recent projects, and and he said that you know there's an equation, and uh, he did uh, volunteer information that there is a quota of houses that you can build for for an apartment complex or a condo complex and uh hopefully this person can can join in on a podcast yeah. however there was an equation that still the profit margin doesn't have to be that great it can still be within a moderate uh, yeah. uh margin there's no easy way to make a buck a lot of these builders they go out of business they, they put themselves out there i will say that you know unfettered capitalism you know, is will will take away yes. will, is not a good thing. I, 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 I understand that, yes. and that's what codes and ordinances are for, so that people can't come into town and build whatever they want. Well, it or, doesn't or, look it. 
it doesn't look at from the last 20 years look at the landscape when you get out boating sometime go out to they, excelsior bay and Gideon they bay built what they could the within the 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 rules and, yep. and, and that's where and, we go with the the personal decision making and the moral implications with that uh, which is subjective ago, to each person when you're talking about morality that's that is a personal it is. line it is. that everyone it is, is. And, I'm not, and i am crossing that I, I think we start. We need to start having those conversations. Uh, I don't want to. We've got about probably three minutes left, Dan. But I wanted to go back into what it was like before and the depression. But maybe yeah. perhaps another visit if you're willing to come on board. Uh, have you heard? Uh, the city is, to their credit, uh, looking at art space. That's by yes. the uh, uh, to make uh, housing affordable for, for, for arts, artists. Yes. Whatever definition you want to right. uh, define. Right. As, as artists That's a great down, down by the uh, where the city hall is and on the west parking lot. Also, I'm not sure uh, the city is um, giving a uh, it's a closed meeting on 301 Water Street. That's the automotive place uh, on Water Street. And apparently there's a consideration and offer to purchase. But I didn't quite understand that. Do you know anything about that? It was did they already does that mean the city is going to sell it? or there's another owner to it that will sell to the city. I'm not quite sure on that. It's a closed meeting. It's next Tuesday evening. I don't know, but I'd like to be a fly on that wall. That would be, <laughs> one, yeah, yeah, that would be a wonderful uh, idea to really put a condominium yeah. there that, that, might, that would be affordable. I believe that there are some cities, I, I don't believe I know, that take a vested interest in certain properties within the town. Yeah. And they the city will end up acquiring the property well, I hope some so. form. There might be that some would turf, be great. turf yeah. issues because that might be the official or part of the business district or the downtown historic yeah. district. I'm, yeah. I'm not quite sure. Uh, Dan, any parting words right now? Well, I, I just want to say I really enjoy sitting down with you because you enlighten me with, with, with thoughts that I don't think about. And I think this podcast does that. And I really appreciate you bringing on someone like myself that may have a different perspective perspective of mm -hmm. what an issue is. Um, I don't think, uh, you know, your, your, your true convictions are so honorable and your passion. Mm -hmm.